for checking out another weekly video that I'm doing live with my good friend 30 and still gaming and this is going to be a reforge recap combing over everything we talked about this week the Xbox Series S the PS5 Pro Starfield what's going on with the marketing no playable demo at Gamescom we have Path of Exile setting its sights on Diablo 4 and uh, I think Mike's not playing Diablo 4 so we get a lot to talk about and recap this week if you miss the shows this week this is a great segment on Friday to watch to get caught up on everything that we talked about I'm going to end the previous stream and bring everybody over we actually talked about Baldur's Gate 3 I ran through all of the thoughts the reviews so if you want to catch that show and my thoughts and the review roundup check that out so what a week in gaming, Mike, so many stories hit, and I, it was like, I was like, okay, well, I came back from vacation. I got a lot to cover now. Yeah, yeah, same. I was like, oh, at least, at least some things happened when we got back, not while we were all gone. Right, right, and and some things happened while I was gone that I didn't even I didn't even get to cover, and and you know, so we're not going to really, if we've got time at the end, we might get into some of the changes to Game Pass and stuff that I tried to cover when I got back, but this week. It's continued to heat up, and it is relevant to today. The show that I just came from, Baldur's Gate 3, the Xbox Series S continues to land in the headlines, and they can't escape it, because I had people trying to say when the story first broke that Baldur's Gate 3 wasn't going to be coming to Xbox until they could figure out getting split-screen to the same standard on the right. Series X and X. I had people telling me it's not the Series S's fault. Larian comes out, confirms it's the Series S, and then we had people trying to spin it this week saying, well, it's not the Series S. They've admitted it's their own lack of resources. And they leave out the fact that it's their lack of resources when trying to tackle the issue with split screen on the Series right. S. To the point that a guy from Remedy tweeted, he is the communications director at Remedy, and everybody dismissed him because he said, hey, man, it's a pain. The Series S is a pain. And then a guy from Larian the director of publishing appreciated his tweet even though people tried to dismiss him where did you land on this and what this is doing to those who who own xboxes i mean i think a lot of people when they when they make a purchase of something right you want to make sure that you bought like the best thing and people that bought the xbox series s which i have one and i have also a series x one for my son one for me uh i think people don't like when you talk bad about something they're like there's no way it's because of the series s but that's exactly what it is it's about the series s they came out and they even said it is the split screen but it's also microsoft's policy that they want both things to come out at the exact same time they don't want to release it on the x and then later on the s right so they wanted to both work on both things and it's working on the x it's not working on the S, and that's what's holding it back. That's these are, these are facts, right? They're having problems making split screen uh, work correctly on the S, and because Microsoft's policy is that they want everything to come out at the exact same time, that's why it's not on Xbox right now for both systems, right? Right, and I think this is this is being seen as oh, this is a one time issue but it's not a one-time issue because halo infinite had to abandon split screen as well and i believe they just didn't tell us that this was the reason right yeah i i can see that i can i can definitely see that because when there's when there's smoke there's fire right if you see it happen for one thing you're like well they didn't tell us and obviously they don't have to tell you but you could assume because you have evidence now that this is being held back for one reason and same same kind of technology for split screen over there so you just assume it's the same thing 
Well, and when the when the first announcements of the Series S came out late 2020, immediately in September of 2020, the guys from id Software, ID Software, id Software, the guys who make Doom, mm-hmm. they weighed in three different lead engineers, like really big guys there, said this is going to be a problem. This is not an ideal situation. Many people have weighed in and said it's not as simple as just lowering resolution. The marketing of the S said it's going to be exactly the same as the X, basically just at 1440. And so the guy from Remedy says, I feel Larian's pain on the Series S. It's not about, quote, just optimize at the end, LOL. He says, nah, you have to take into account the technical limitations from the beginning of development. Nobody really wants to think of that when you start making your game when everything is possible. Given that reality, okay, that from the very beginning when you're making a game, you've got to consider the S. I want to talk about this in two ways. Now, we have other things to talk about, guys. PS5 Pro and Path of Exile and Starfield. So we're not going to do this. isn't going to be the entire show. But I I start with this because this seems significant for Xbox going forward this generation. That, number one, I want to talk about their own titles having to grapple with this but then there's all the questions about third-party developers so let's just first start with their titles they've got big names under their hood where, where do you land seeing that okay every game coming out then for xbox first party has to take into account from the very beginning the xbox series s yeah i here i'm gonna have a question to your question right because i i know there's a lot more smarter people in chat about technology as far as the way computers run like so if if you have a 4090 right or a 3060 or if you have a 960 graphics card in your thing uh in your computer how do they is it the same type of situation where if they're making the game they have to make it for the lowest tier this is why they have the recommended specs and this is why they have you know the the max specs or what you should you know whatever the low the low tier specs isn't it the same way for consoles now because there's two different systems for Xbox, technically they're they're doing three because they want it to work on PC, they want it to work on the Xbox Series X, and then they want it to work on the S. So, if the S is let's say that I don't know 1080, let's say let's say I don't I don't know what the comparable graphics card is. I'm sure someone will say it in chat, but like if let's say it's a 1080 graphics card for the S, that's the low tier one. You have to make it run on that, and then obviously they make it work for the other ones because they have to downscale it for that. But they have to work it. Isn't that the same way it works if it's just a PC game that's working on the lowest graphics card all the way to the high high tier graphics card? Yeah, so there's two things I want to say to this. Number one, there have been devs that have weighed in and have said no. Scaling on PC is actually quite a bit different, and in some respects I think it might even be a little bit easier. The okay. other thing with scaling to PC is, let's say you're making a game you get to determine what the floor is you could say yeah we want to do all this stuff that's not going to work on this generation of video card and down so you determine the floor as the developer you can't do that with the series s it quite literally is the floor from moment one it's an unavoid it's it's something you cannot avoid well now to answer your question i i think that with xbox titles i'll i'll drive this and off the cliff because they don't really care about the games right they're not selling the games the games are selling the console per se like you have a game you want to play it you have an xbox x or s you're going to buy it but all of these games for first party for their games is all about game pass right so it doesn't really matter if it's top tier if it's like a starfield coming out at the high end or if it's a low tier as redfall was but they're just trying to market game pass it's about all these things play where you want when you want on the console you want i mean really 
they just announced that they're not going to really support the one anymore. But Halo, like someone said it in chat before, it it was on the Xbox One as well. That's worse than the S, right? So that was also holding them back as well because they wanted to work on all the systems on day one, release one. So as far as the first party titles go for Xbox, I truly believe they don't care. I mean, obviously, Elder uh, Boulder's Gate's out right now. PlayStation's getting it next month and they're getting it sometime next year, right? And that's not a Game Pass game. That's just a game that's coming on their system. They're just like, eh, whatever. No, not a big deal. Well, We'll get the sales for that because I really truly believe they don't really care about stuff like that. They just care about Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass. And do you think that's a that's a challenge to Game Pass, though, if so many of your games coming out? Imagine that right now it's 2023, but let's fast yep. forward a couple years. Imagine it's 2026. And if this the, the next topic is the PS5 Pro. So I'm, I'm laying some groundwork here. Let's say this PS5 Pro comes out, okay? We're not talking PS5 Pro yet, but let's just say it comes out, and it's, you know, 2025, 2026, and games start coming out leveraging that thing's power, and you're over there sitting with Game Pass with games that have to build for the Series S first. How compelling is Game Pass at that point? Aren't games going to feel dated, behind, not as good? I, the answer is yes, they would feel outdated, right? They wouldn't feel like the next, like the next latest, greatest thing, but at the same time, there's a whole market of, I, and I, follow me here. GameStop was created because people don't buy games right away, right? They don't buy. There's a bulk of a, a majority of uh, not a majority, I should say a minority of people that buy a game day one, right? There's more people that buy it after the fact of day one than there is the people that buy it day one. So the the minority of the people like spending full price games $60 back in the day now it's $70 and that's the people that you'll get the with the, the headlines 3 million people 5 million people bought the game but on Xbox I don't know was there 87 million or 84 million units sold for Xbox 1 and then now it's I think it's like 20 20 million for uh Xbox Series S/X right more people are going to buy that game after the fact and the majority of the population is looking to save money, to not spend full price on something, right? So they go to GameStop, buy a used copy, get it off of second hand. And Game Pass, Xbox knows this, Microsoft knows this, and Game Pass is that secondhand store now. They got rid of GameStop. GameStop is dying, right? Other other secondhand stores are dying. Your mom and pop stores are dying. So when you look at it that way, right, most people don't care majority of the population doesn't care if they're being held back now the minority the you the me the people in chat they look at it and go i want the latest greatest thing day one when it comes out i want it to work but that's such a small community in the bigger grand scheme of things for the for console gamers that i think microsoft is pushing in on majority of the population doesn't really care and this is why they can put stuff and this is why game pass is going to be successful in the long run I think a year or two ago I would have agreed with you, but all the sales numbers are to the contrary because PlayStation 5 is kicking the snot out of the Xbox Series. 40 it's, million and... Yeah, and PlayStation's on the same pace as it was for plays, for the other PlayStations in the in the life cycle. It's, it's actually, on, it's, it's actually on pace to surpass PS4, though. Because sure. when, they, when they did the PS4 Pro, there were 50 million PS4s in circulation. They just hit... 40 million so they're they're going to be well beyond 50 million ps5s I, in circulation 
I'm pretty sure it's actually shorter than that. I think it was like 40, because I, I did a story on it like two, before I went on vacation. I think it was, because um, we were talking about Final Fantasy, how they sold 3.3 million units. And everyone's like, that's really sad. I'm like, not really, considering the 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 opt-in is only like 38 million for PlayStation. It's only on PlayStation, right? So I was like, that's phenomenal for 3.3 million for that one unit. I think the PlayStation 4, and I, I, I forget what the actual number is, but I think it was like five to seven million more than what the PlayStation 5 is selling, but the PlayStation 5 had a the COVID year, right? Where they weren't pushing out very much. So they're actually, in the next three months, they will surpass where, at the three-year mark, where PlayStation 4 was, they're only like 3 million, 5 million behind. And yeah, they will surpass it. But in the grand scheme of things, they're stored around the exact same, uh, you know, area where the PlayStation 4 was. So that's right. that's still the same people that were interested in PlayStation, just in general, PlayStation users that like PlayStation. It takes two to three years for people to adopt into the next system. So I think that number is going to go up. Spider-Man's coming out. People are going to buy the, the bundle for that. So we're going to see that number go up and it will surpass, I would say, even even or maybe maybe two to three million more than what the PlayStation 4 was at the exact time at three uh, at three years, which is November, right? It came out in November. Yeah, I, I think there are other stats, though, that make your prediction hard to come true because hardware sales are slowing down for Xbox. So we're actually seeing a shift in North America. They're a, a, a million or something behind where they were, and PlayStation's picked up by like 600,000. Or maybe I inverted right, but more, that. But, but more people are buying Xbox Game Pass Ultimate on PC. But the other report that came out was that subscription numbers are going down and and pers- and day one actual full price purchases are going up. So the actual market trend, sub- subscription services are having a slowdown. So I don't think subservice, I don't think it's appealing to the majority. I don't think it will be the majority. I think both Nintendo and PlayStation are proving full price day one purchase games are still the lion's share of revenue driving and subservices are lagging behind so I actually think the market's trending where I want to see it go I'm okay with subservice being here I don't think it's going away but I don't think it I don't think it'll be the majority I think it'll always be a slice because even Phil Spencer said they estimate it's only going to be us like what I forget what he said 15% he threw out a percentage to the Brazilian uh, regulators that Game Pass will always only be a smaller percentage of their of their gaming revenue. Yeah, and he also said that they're they're staying on course. They're not worried about the hardware sales where they are, right? He's like, "Yeah, we're okay. We're going to stay exactly what what our vision is and we're staying with Game Pass." Yeah, I was just engaging with the idea of like you couching it as subservice appeals to the majority. I think the revenue is pointing in the opposite direction. I don't think it's appealing to the majority. I think it's saturated enough that they won't they won't grow to a place where it it hits the majority. I think the hardware sales for PS5, accessory sales, and day one sales of games on both Nintendo and PlayStation prove that buying games is still the lion's share of what the community is responding to. My, my pushback to that is there's, if you take the 122, I think it was 122 or 127 million PlayStation 4s, right? We're out there. Uh, that's, that's, that's the saturation point. They're not getting more than that. If Even if PlayStation 5 gets all the way up to 150 million playstations right that is going to be a fraction of what microsoft is going for between mobile between pc and between console right mm-hmm. they, they don't mm-hmm. care about just the one console if if you're going to compare console to console yes playstation wins all day long okay they have been since the, before the uh like 
PlayStation 2 days. The only one I think that was close, I think, was PlayStation 3 to Xbox Series uh, or 360, if I'm not mistaken. It was like a 3 million or 4 million. It's like 87 to 84. It was like a real close one that year, even though PlayStation still won. But overall, that's the saturation point for, for PlayStation, hence why they now sell their game to PCs because they're trying to get that extra... Uh, Spider-Man income, they're trying to get The Last of Us income, they're trying to get that extra PC players, but overall, Microsoft is going to grow, and they don't need that 200 million, even though they only have, a, let's say they sell 80 million Xbox Series X's and X's, they still have an additional 20 million, 40 million, 50 million off of PC Ultimate, right? It's it, literally 3 to 1 right now for Xbox Game Pass to to, um, uh, to to normal Game Pass to Ultimate Game Pass, right? There was just a, a a stat that came out that they make $400 million off Game Pass with mm-hmm. just 25 million people, right? With 25 million subscribers, 70, 80% are ultimate users and like 5% or I think it's like 7 to 10% are, are what, or I'm sorry, 30% are the regular users. And now they just moved, which I think we're going to talk about the core or no, we're not talking about the core. Uh, Game Pass core is coming out and they're moving everyone from Game uh, Xbox Gold to the Game Pass bare minimum, uh, you know, level at the at the uh, the base price, so yeah, that number's going to go up. I will I will certainly make allowances for once mobile and cloud are included, it boosting their numbers. But I think the real danger there. I've continued to say that cloud gaming will become endemic, the way that cell phones became endemic to daily life. Yes, agreed. I think cloud gaming is is a long way away because of infrastructure, though. I don't think it's appealing to people when they get any latency or lag. They're going to say, I, "I don't I don't like this." They'll immediately walk away, and they won't come back. It'll be a hard. It's going to be a hard sell to get them to come and to get them to stay because if they have any latency or lag, then they're not going to want to do it because people keep saying like, oh, well, GeForce Now will have better performance than the PlayStation 5 Pro. And it's like, if there's any latency compression or artifacting, people are not going to agree with you. If they, depending on where they live, their city, their neighborhood, cloud sort of dependent upon that. So when they get to that point, yes, I think Microsoft could have this sudden onrush of people who are doing Game Pass on their TV, on their phone, on their iPad. I'll always make allowance for that could be a big push, and that seems to be what they want to do with ABK and King, like they want the King Mobile inroad. However, with subscription service slowing and plateauing on console and PC, I would imagine the same thing's going to happen in those markets. You're going to hit saturation points, and the big danger is that when you hit saturation points, you'll be facing the Netflix conundrum. We can no longer invest large sums of money into our first right. property because we're not in our sub numbers aren't going up anymore. Talked about that all the time. Yep. So that's always a danger facing the Xbox ecosystem. Is if you're leaning so heavily on subservice, subservice will always plateau. It has plateaued on console, according to yep. Phil Spencer. They're trying to edge into PC. I think it's why the PC offering's better. It gets EA, it gets the EA Play right. included. It doesn't that's have. Why the, it, that's why it's three to one. Yeah, it di- and it didn't get the price hike, right? Well, it did by one dollar. It's like sixteen ninety nine now instead of fifteen or whatever, fourteen ninety nine. If you compare base Game Pass of nine ninety nine, it went up to ten ninety nine. But PC Game Pass is still nine ninety nine. It didn't get the price bump for some oh, reason. Oh, just just the PC. Yeah, yeah just not PC. not Ultimate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
So real quick, I want to I, I want to answer ahead. some questions real quick in, in 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 chat. Right, people are saying, "Oh, this guy loves Game Pass." Uh, those of you that are saying that, you have no idea who you're talking to because if you came to my channel, you would know I shit on Game Pass all the time because I don't think it's good for the gaming industry. I'm making points because that's what the question is. So settle down with the Game Pass uh, lover speak, just like you say that Lono is a is a PlayStation pony. All right, you're taking a small glimpse of what it was. I also said it wasn't that their mobile market. I said that Microsoft is going for the mobile market and they're also going for the PC market. It just so happens that the PC is part of Game Pass. So listen and clear out your ears when I actually say something. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't abide that. Like we're having a conversation. Like you don't need to accuse the guy of being a fanboy. Like I have Game Pass. I think Game Pass is an amazing value, but I also think economically it plateaus which means sure. it, faces, it faces challenges. Now, I, we, I want to get to the PS5 Pro, but very briefly, I do want to touch on this Xbox Core issue, the, the, the Game Pass Core. Yep. Um, do, don't you think they just really hurt some of their marketing punch because they can't say, play a day one on Game Pass. They can't say that anymore because there's a branch right. of Game Pass now that's like its own 25 catalog thing. Now, I had people telling me, oh, they'll just put an asterisk play a day one on Game Pass, like asterisks, but not on Game Pass Core. Do right. you think that is, is it related at all to how when Starfield was out there, they weren't really promoting Game Pass with it anymore? It wasn't in the trailer. It wasn't on their splash page. Like you had to really dig deep to be like, hey, is this thing coming to Game Pass? Were they worried that, oh yeah, we're going to do this thing with Game Pass Core before Starfield lands and that kind of muddies their marketing waters? Yeah, it does. But at the same time, they I mean, PlayStation Plus does it right. They have the three tiers and mm-hmm. Xbox is like, well, we should do the tiers because I think when you pay 70 billion dollars for a company, more numbers, chat, stay with me, 70 billion, uh, 70 billion dollars. You're not just getting it for Call of Duty. You're not just getting it for the mobile. I think they're going to take Activision's games and they're going to put them behind a pay tier. Right. Because I said this last night on my, my podcast, I think they're going to take <clears throat> just like ESO is behind uh, Game Pass with no no subscription model. Like, you just can just play ESO. They just did this. They signed that deal with Final Fantasy, which I don't want to cross yet. And then now, if World of Warcraft, my prediction is that World of Warcraft, once the deal goes through, will be part of Game Pass as well, right? And I think they're going to take that World of Warcraft and put it at the high tier of PC Ultimate, where you could also play it on console if you want, but you can play it, obviously, there. And that, that subscription model will go into that, right? And th- I think that's where... I think that's where Microsoft is leaning into with Activision. So they'll take the older games, let's say, because there was a story about Transformers, Hasbro wants Transformers, old games, War of Cybertron, Fall of Cybertron, Devastation. They want them back onto Game Pass because it's more advertisement for them. They make more money off them. And Xbox would be stupid not to put them on there because if they did or didn't, that would be just more people to bring towards Game Pass. So like, oh, old games, right? I want to play those games. They upped them or, or whatnot. So that's what they're pushing. A lot of people are talking about Starfields not being advertised, but they're not advertising video games anymore. They advertise Game Pass, Game Pass. And now with this core, I think once Starfield comes out, they'll start advertising the different tiers of what you can with the family plan and, right, and, and right. whatnot. But they're just waiting for that for that Starfield to come out because mm. that's the flagship right now for Game Pass. That This mm. is going to be precedent of what Xbox is doing. They, they've admitted it. Halo's not their franchise anymore. Starfield is this game that everyone's been waiting for for Bethesda, so they're they're riding on the coattails of what this game potentially could be. 
Well, and somebody in chat saying Captain Crunch's core is just rebranding of gold, nothing more. Yep. That is such an oversimplification. It's not just a rebranding of gold. There is now a piece of Game Pass. It's called That's Game missing. Pass Core. Yep. Game Pass Core that does not get day and date. It does not get day one. It has a 25 game catalog. It's only a dollar less than Game Pass console. It's $9.99 and Game Pass console is $10.99. So you can say, oh, it's just a rebranding. No, it's not. It's it's now a new part of Game Pass. Yep, that, it's to push you to get that. Uh, it's just one extra dollar to get that next next tier, right? Well, and, and th- th- this is where it gets really weird. Game Pass Core for $9.99 includes multiplayer, online multiplayer, and for a yeah. dollar more, you it's lose weird. multiplayer. Yeah, I don't know why they... I think that's worded wrong. I don't know if they messed up with that. It's because they are con- It's because they already have it. They can't, like, just take that away. That'd, that'd be a nightmare from optic standpoint. Like, Xbox Live Gold, it's like, well, they, they're paying for multiplayer right now. You can't just, like, take that away. So they're changing it, giving you 25-game catalog instead of, you know, one or two games a month. And then if you upgrade to Xbox console for a dollar, you lose multiplayer. You got to go to ultimates to maintain your multiplayer. I think that it, the offering for Game Pass is so jumbled right now. I anticipate changes. And the thing is, is I told people, I said, either at E3 or after, it's not E3 anymore, but at Summer Game Fest or after, they're going to make changes to Game Pass. And I believe this is the ground level floor that they're setting. They're like, we're going to set up, like you said, like set up tiers and if they get Activision Blizzard, I think you're right. I think that catalog goes to Ultimate. They'll raise yeah, the most... price of Ultimate. I think Ultimate's sure. going to end up in the $20 or more range eventually. Yep. And they're turning on all these old games. Call of Duty. And so yeah, they opened getting, up all the serve. Yep. They're yep. getting ready. They're getting ready to say, yeah, Activision Blizzard, every game, every old Call of Duty, every old this, every old Transformer, it's all up here at the Ultimate Primo package. And then they'll justify raising the price. Yeah, I, I mean, I've said it for years. I don't think the, the price is going to go up dramatically, like, right away. But like you said, I think it would be, like, let's say five years from now. It could be, like, $20, $25. You know what I mean? Like, that's – and I always ask my chat. I was like, where do you – what would you pay for? Like, how high can Game Pass go before you're like, yeah, it's too much, you know? I don't right. know. I think a lot of people – I think a lot of people would pay, like, $30 or whatever because they're, they're just like, yeah, if I pay $30 a month, that's only $360 a year, and I and I buy so many games a year, so that will still be a good process. I'm like, eh, my, my thing's $20. If it goes over $20, I don't think I would I would pay for it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and Eugene's echoing it. It is just rebranded live. It's the same pricing structure as it is now. I know, but you can't hand wave and say, oh, it's just rebranded live. It is – I, I, I cannot stress this enough. It is now a part of Game Pass. Game Pass is no longer this day and date marketing beat. It's now like a, a pricing structure tiered thing. They're laying groundwork for that. There is at, You will never convince me, oh yeah, this is just rebranded live. Yeah, they rebranded, rebranded live with Game Pass. It, it's now in Game Pass. So all of right. their lingo, language, and packaging and marketing about Game Pass has to change if they send out a tweet and say games coming to game pass they have to stipulate that core is not included like i think mike's right i think tiers are coming i think games will be excluded i think i actually even think day and date will disappear oh, unless you're on ultimate. sure on ultimate yeah absolutely right yep. if you have game pass you can play the game like a week after but if you want to play it like early access five days early or whatever it's going on ultimate yeah 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 now, one thing we left out of the discussion with it's it's tied up with the Game Pass discussion as 
you kind of need to be on Game Pass to be successful on the Xbox ecosystem. Really large publishers and developers avoid Game Pass. Activision's on record as not wanting to do it. But also the Series S is in this this discussion. Because I said there's one aspect of the Series S that is worrisome to me. It's all that property that Microsoft owns. Hellblade, Doom... Elder Scrolls, you have all these amazing pieces of property, a brand new Fallout. They have to pay their dues to the Series S first. What about third party? Third party developers, looking at what's going on with Baldur's Gate, looking at the public ridicule from Xbox fans, calling them lazy, acting like it's the devs' fault that this situation exists. Third party developers looking at that reality combined with the reality that's already been brewing about developers and publishers not wanting to go on Game Pass, they feel like it's value destructive. Not all, but a a portion of the publisher and developing world thinks that. Is Xbox setting itself up? It it seems to me, this is my opinion, I want to know what you think. I think they're setting themselves up to be the most unappealing platform for third-party developers available. Third-party developers for AAA or just in general? I think AAA especially, but even indie titles have weighed in and said Game Pass is extremely hard to, to, to go on because if you're a small little indie, you're competing, especially, let's say they get Activision Blizzard, you're, you're competing with massive titles as an indie. Yeah, I, I read an article a couple months ago about uh, the the publisher that does uh, Tunic. They said that when they got onto to Game Pass, that was like golden for them because they it, it did really well for them. But, but they said... Two years in the cycle, it's fine. But once you go farther than two years, now you're year three, year four. It's going to get so saturated with other indies and then other triple A's and double A games that come in that it gets bloated. And I, I've, I've said this, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago. Like, remember when we went into Blockbuster Video or Hollywood Video in the mm-hmm. old days? And on Friday nights, you would walk in. They had that one uh, section that was like the brand new games that came or the new video uh the new movies that came out for that week or whatever, and you went straight to that, and they had like hundreds of things. It was easy to spot. But if you were looking for a movie, you had to go through the rest of the store, and you're like, I don't mm-hmm. know, and you're kind of wandering, aim, or aimlessly wandering around the, the store looking for what to watch. That's what happens. When more movies come out, more movies come out, they just keep piling the shelves up with one copy, two copies. Now you look at Netflix or Disney Plus or all these other... When you're scrolling through, if you don't know what you want to watch... You're wandering through menus and menus and just scrolling through trying to find it, right? Yeah. It gets it gets convoluted and stuff as you're trying to figure what you want to watch. And, and then you spend 45 minutes, unless it's in the top 10, you're like, oh, people are talking about this, and you, and you click it, right? That's what's happening with Game Pass, right? Or any kind of these streaming servers. We'll even say PlayStation Plus. The more the more they put into the, the ecosystem, the more first-party titles they put in, they're going to push those because that's their first-party titles. They don't have to dish out money to put them onto Game Pass or mm-hmm. not. Independent developers are like, well, Microsoft is paying me up front a big chunk of money. We don't know what that money is. It's different for every every publisher or every developer. But once it's on their platform, they want people to play their game, right? Well, if it's wall and wall of just games in front of you, you're like, ah, I'm just going to play bowl, you know, whatever, uh, whatever comes out. Uh, Diablo comes onto Game Pass. You think when Diablo 4 comes on Game Pass, it's not going to overshadow everything else that's on Game Pass already. Do you know what I mean? So right. you're going to have this problem with little independent developers. They get paid the money, but then no one sees their game. And then you have the exact same thing that happens with Steam. Steam is just a list of just thousands and thousands of games. There's a thousand games that get submitted like each and every single like day or week. I forget what the how many they, they put on there. And it just gets lost. And if there's not somebody 
a content creator playing a game going, hey, look at this gem. And then all of a sudden it becomes popular. It just gets lost in the in the in the you know the void of video games that are being put there. So that's that's the cause of effect that's happening with Xbox right now. Right, right now they're paying for everything they can to put on Game Pass because they want people to get Game Pass. And devs are intrigued by it because it's it's hot. It's the new gold rush type of thing. But once they're set and they have all their studios have their first party titles in there and they get the other third party games they paid money for to put on there, what happens to those games? They get mm. gone and it's not really valuable for them and, and it's bad for the business. That's why I've continued to say that I love what ID at Xbox does for indie games and I would love to see a portion of Game Pass that's like independent game demos. Go play any indie title in ID at Xbox and if you like it then you can buy it like foster that ecosystem of purchase for games that are like 20 and 30 dollars for Pete's sakes because Nix is saying well how is it any different for indie games competing with regular releases well the difference is on Game Pass you're not questioning purchase you just can play them just play it and you're in a sea of massive games that don't cost anything if you're on Game Pass like if you don't have to pay for Call of Duty or Diablo like really are you gonna you know boot up a little indie that's why i think they could leverage id at xbox in a really good way to give indie studios sort of their own place to flourish and grow and and have sales so that's you, go ahead do you think they make a a tier just for like indie games like the base tier of like i, I don't think that would work no i i think indie titles are better suited by game pass to be demos and then if you like the game, oh, buy sure. the game. I think yeah, Game Pass the demo should, is great. It, there should be a dividing line of like, man, the value of Game Pass is this, but you're on Ultimate, you know, day and date, you get Bethesda titles, Activision Blizzard titles. But indie titles, it's like, don't throw them into that bucket. They, they, there should be an, I, you know, demos, you know, indie demos section of Game Pass. Only you get access to these demos as, a, as an owner of Game Pass. And you get a discount if you buy the game. I think that's just a good dividing line of value of what we don't need to give you a bunch of free games that are only twenty dollars. You know, try them out and if you like them, buy them. Support right. the indie devs, and then Microsoft wouldn't have to give them nearly as much money. You would just be giving primarily. You'd be investing in your first party games instead, and having those be the real day and date offers of value. So. Real- Okay, right. Captain Crunch, uh, I, I didn't say Steam had a subscription. I don't know if you're commenting on that. I, I was saying that Steam just gets the indie titles and stuff get lost on Steam because there's just thousands and thousands of games. I think indie games do well on Steam because people are out there. There's an indie whole section of people that like indie games, and they pay for them. If indie games are on Xbox, they're not paying for them. They're They're just playing them on Game Pass. Yeah, and indie titles have had big breakout moments on Steam. Like, if you create a really quality game, Steam, you know, uh, Death's Door, it was made by, like, two guys. They sold, like, 100,000 copies, like, week one. So I, I think you have to take that into consideration, that there's it's a, it's a very different ecosystem and culture on PC that is, I think, a little bit quicker to support indie titles. And my concern with Game Pass has always been, it's a sea of indies, and they don't get any money. I mean, they get the money from Xbox. And it. I don't want to make it sound like all indies die on Game Pass. Game Pass no. has been great for some indies, but not all. Some AA and indie studios. Jez Corden, in a Windows Central article, said he has spoken with studios that are like, we don't really know if that's the right fit for us. So it is good for some, but not for all, which is why I was saying 
that might drive other studios, third parties, indies, and double A's to PlayStation. Another thing that I think is going to drive developers to PlayStation is the PlayStation 5 Pro. So let's talk about that. You know, the leaks coming out, Digital Foundry weighs in on these leaks. Tom Henderson is sort of the one spearheading these leaks. And he's an insider at this point. He's not he's not somebody like trying to grab relevancy. He gets info and gives us the info. Right. Everybody thought he was blowing smoke about the PlayStation Q Lite. And when that actually dropped, he said, do you doubt me about the PS5 Pro? He's like, maybe I should start dropping the specs. Well, the specs are looking like we're looking at an 8K machine. We're looking at accelerated ray tracing, digital foundry speculating that maybe they'll be able to start giving 4K 60 modes where do you land on this mid-gen refresh especially in light of the fact that it really strongly looks like microsoft will not have an answer to this machine i mean i'm all for it this is what's happened all in the past as well right they had the playstation 2 and they had the slim and then they had playstation 3 and then i think they made a smaller version of the playstation 3 did they not then they do a revamp like four years in and then playstation 4 and so on so i'm excited for it because I'm in a dilemma right now because I want a PlayStation 5 and I want Spider-Man, but Spider-Man comes out this year, but I don't want to buy a PlayStation 5 now because if the PlayStation 5 Pro is coming out next year, then I'll just wait one more year because I'm going to get better value for my money, right? Why would I buy the old one on the on the tail end, right? Because technically it's like a new system, right? Why would I buy the system now when a new system's coming out and I'll just buy the new system when it comes out next year? So... I, I want to play Spider-Man, but I also don't want to get the older PlayStation. I want to get the newer <laughs> PlayStation for the PlayStation 5 Pro. So I'm in a, condun- a conundrum right now of what I want to do. But yeah, I, I think it's 100% real. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, they've done it in the past. Now the question is, is it, is it more money? Is it a smaller box? Is it thinner? Does it have a disk drive? You know what I mean? Like, I know there's a rumors out there, but it all depends on what it is. If it, it's cheaper because they got they get rid of the disk drive or is it cheaper because it's smaller plastic box you know what i mean yeah so i'm in in the mid right now i'm like i i'm excited but i'm i'm definitely i think it hurts playstation and i also think it helps playstation because there's are people that want to buy playstation but they're like wait a minute if this is true why am i going to get the back end of the playstation 5 when i can get the playstation 5 pro i think the lion's share of the consumer base has no idea this thing's coming because the thing's flying off the shelves like the demand is so high we obviously are different we're like oh this thing's coming on my way like we're more informed i want to loop back just quickly because parasito and eugene put comments in the members only discord about the game pass thing like paris says you know what if they don't do tiers they could do a la carte like you buy a package for indie day one releases xbox first party yeah i mean they could start to go the cable television route of like you get to i would hate that 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 could be be awful that could be, be where <laughs> that could be where it's headed. And Eugene says Microsoft's going to see that ABK, Bethesda, ETC are driving Game Pass engagement, and then they're going to stop offering good deals or maybe even deals in general for indies or AA style games. The games that would actually benefit from exposure won't get it. And that I think is just another thing driving people into the arms of PlayStation. It's like, well, we—I don't want to go over there and be on Game Pass. It's like if you want to flourish on Xbox ecosystem, you got to be on Game Pass. Well, here's even a, a, another thing, because someone said, uh, you know, it'll just build a PC. Well, I have a PC. And if I have to wait for Spider-Man now for next year when PlayStation 5 Pro comes out, why don't I just wait an extra six months after that, like a year and a half from now when it's not on PC? You know what I mean? Like, what? And so I just don't buy a PlayStation 5 at all for the game that I'm interested in. Yeah. I was telling people that I feel like the PS5 Pro is targeting developers more 
than consumers because if there's a content war coming, right? Acquisitions are going to start to happen. If the Activision deal is basically happening, as far as we can tell, Microsoft's going to get them. That's going to set off an acquisition content war. You know, Amazon, Google, Tencent, all these companies are going to start trying to buy stuff up. Even PlayStation has allocated more funds for acquisitions. If you're going into a content war, I argued go for the developers with your hardware. That's how you can navigate a content war when you don't have as much money as Microsoft. Like, Sony's never going to outspend Microsoft in an acquisition war. No. But they can create a really winsome box because ray tracing, we may think it's a gimmick that kills performance. Developers love ray tracing because it is a huge, huge benefit to development. It it shaves down development time because it's automating lighting process stuff like they basically set a source and that's it like I'm, I'm being very b- basic about this I'm not a developer but the understanding I did for my research is like they just set the ray tracing source and then everything happens and they don't have to spend all this time developing the lighting so they love ray tracing what in the realm of developers looking at series s x game pass all those realities and then looking at playstation 5 just charging ahead with stronger hardware where do you think developers land on that? Is that winsome to say, oh, their their stuff stronger, or is the you know the Game Pass ecosystem more winsome? It, see, as just a consumer, I, I don't know where the technology is going in the next three years, five years, right? The developers do. So, sure, the short term, you would think that going with PlayStation would be the win because that's a a gamer's paradise, like that. The, the, Odds end is just, you look at PlayStation 5, it's a it's a better console than Xbox Series S and X because of the S, right? So you know you're getting stronger. They, they make games, they, they make high-end games. If you want high-end games and stuff, you get PlayStation 5 with the fidelity, the controller, just everything. But the saturation point for those companies, if they just made games for PlayStation 5, right, they're limiting themselves because if you if you look at final fantasy right that sold 3.3 million copies because it was just on playstation 5 so as a developer if you're looking to make more money which square enix is that's why they made the deal with with microsoft now you would want to go other places so as a developer you have to know where the future is and if the future is in cloud gaming and the future is where they say it's going to be then you can't just put all your eggs in one basket which would be playstation right or sony you have to think broader as a developer and go okay well we have to make it for playstation we have to make it for wherever xbox is going we got to make it for what the future holds right because it takes four to five years to make some of these triple a games so they can't just go yeah it's more appealing to go to playstation but if they take that risk and they're stuck in that that ecosystem and that's it Mm -hmm. for them yeah, I think the cloud gaming could be a factor, but I don't know if it's going to be a factor in this gen. Like, if, if we're doing a mid-gen refresh, I think the PS5 with accelerated ray tracing and more power, that'll be more impactful on what developers and publishers think as opposed to cloud. Now, next gen in 10 years or whatever, and we're, we're I think cloud starts to become more of a factor of developers and publishers might say, I don't know, that Xbox ecosystem game pass cloud gaming game anywhere that is perfect for our game especially if infrastructure right. catches up like if the internet infrastructure catches up and cloud gaming is 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 not you know worried about latency i think that's going to be a huge that's that's always the, the, the dependency in my mind on cloud gaming getting anywhere is infrastructure because if not right. 
all it, like, again, all it takes is one bad experience with cloud gaming to make somebody say, I'm not doing this. This is really unenjoyable. It's kind of like my wife with VR. She would never, ever buy a VR or VR game ever. Why? She had one bad experience with VR. It made her motion sick. So she's done. She'll never do it right. again. One yeah. bad experience with cloud gaming could be very similar. It's like, it was latent. It was buggy. It was laggy. I kept dying. It was really weird. And then just won't go back because right. native hardware is not going to do that. You know, box sitting in your in your living room. So on the subject of the PS5 Pro and 8K, Digital Founder was like, who cares about 8K? Why would you even market 8K? Yeah. Where, where do you land on 8K? If that's a bu- if that's a buzzword we start seeing next year, like PlayStation 5 Pro, 8K gaming. This, this is the same problem. I worked in the film industry, and mm-hmm. we, I was being trained on 8K cameras uh, back in 2007, just to let you know. In 2007, I was working in cameras with 8K. Well, what was on TV in 2007 that could do 2K or 4K? <laughs> Nothing. 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 The only thing that you saw, I think back then in like 2010, I um, around about, I think the Tonight Show was being filmed. But if you didn't have a television, right, that supported that, then you weren't watching it at that 2K, 4K anyway. So this is just, this is just to fluff the number up, right? This is to get you excited. Oh, 8K, right? Right now there's things on your Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 that, can run 8k right but they don't do it because that there's nobody that can there's nobody that can do it i actually looked into this 8k support hasn't been turned on for either box did no. you know that they haven't even no, turned it, it hasn't, on because there's no thing being made for 8k <laughs> <laughs> there there's one 8k game for the ps5 people bring that up all the time by the way I'll, I'll talk about how like the series s marketing was super dishonest and you know xbox privated a video because it's just such a misrepresentation of the box it's this close to being like class action worthy, right? Like people bought yeah. this box thinking they were getting something. You sold them a bill of goods. People are always like, well, there's 8K on the PlayStation box. I'm like, yeah, but they never marketed 8K in right. any of the commercials, advertisers. It's on the box because it's an 8K capable device. Eventually, they'll turn it on so that if you buy an 8K television, your device can, I guess, run 8K movies, right? Yeah. But yeah. the PS5 Pro... According to the leaks and rumors, they're, they're talking 8K, and this was the angle that nobody thought about. At least, this is what I was... I was compelled by this argument. If you start distributing PS5 Pro dev kits right now, it's 2023, and then let's say they really distribute them even more next year, 2024, and they start making games that land four and five years later, you're going to have games landing in 2028 that are 8K, and that's when it's going to matter right there'll be more tvs in the market there'll be people saying hey man 8k is the new thing and i know people are saying the difference between 4k and 8k is minimal that doesn't really matter in a luxury market the the new and the new and the shiny and the better is what matters and playstation could be standing taller than everybody as far as premium next-gen level gaming no it'll be the strongest console in the market nothing will touch it there'll be there'll be nothing even close because nintendo's right. obviously not trying but but to get that okay so let's let's talk about we're in 2027 or 2028 now and playstation makes an 8k now you're paying let's say uh six seven hundred dollars for the console right let's say you're paying or let, hell let's just say it's 500 just like it is now right inflation whatever it's the same so it's 500 dollars. but now you have to go out and buy a television set and the television set for 8k is going to be like six grand right so 
to get the system to get the thing and they have to get the cables you got to make sure that cable is the right cable to produce the 8k right the, the one they give you is not going to be the, the best one so you're gonna have to go out and buy like the monster cable or whatever with the with the the gold inlay or whatever and th this is we're talking about the hobbyist here right the person that's going to get this whole thing and, and set it up in their house so you're gonna wait for spider-man uh seven to come out on the playstation 5 at 8k with your ten thousand dollar television set get out of here no no the percentage of people that are going to do that is uh i don't know like two percent one percent half a percent right it's going to be so minute and ridiculous that no game is going to be out they're gonna be like and they're gonna sell they're gonna be like we have spider-man 7 or spider-man 8 8 in 8k on playstation like it's it's not going to be it's not gonna be worth it it's going to be absolutely ridiculous but it's going to be a selling point yeah sure I, I, I thought the same thing about 4K and 4K is so normal now. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we walk into 2030 and 8K is, is way more common and cheaper. Right now, if you want to buy an 8K television, no. it's like two to $4,000. It's like nobody's yeah. buying those TVs well, it's right better now. better than the $36,000 it was, uh, you know, 10 years ago. But you don't think that'll change in seven years? Like seven years from now, those oh, those no. 8K TVs will be super cheap. Sure, exponentially, the, the technology moves faster and faster and things go down. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think... I, I don't think that's going to be the big sell. I think a lot of people will buy it because it says 8K and they'll plug it into their 4K television and say, look how good it is. You know what I'm saying? It's the exact same exactly. thing that happened. Exactly. It's the exact same thing that happened when 720p came out and then 1080p came out and so on and so forth. People are like, hey, you see this? And you come to the house and you look at it and go, dude, that's that's not in, that's not 1080p. You're, you're still having the 720p cable. And, and then when they went up to 2K... And they're like, oh, look at this! It's 2K. And you're like, yeah, no, that's not 2K. That's 1080P. You're not even running the same, the right cable or the, or the settings yeah. on your on your box, right? But most people yeah. don't know, and they don't care. They see a number on the box, they're like, this is the greatest, best thing. They they stare at their television, and say it looks beautiful. That's that's what it is. I bought a second television so that my wife and I could play PS5 games together because we got two PS5s. And the cable that came with this Hisense TV from Costco, it's a great television, but the cable that came with it, it, it didn't run the, the proper resolution on my yeah. PS5. I had to get rid of the cable that it came with and yeah, use right. one of my own cables. It was like, yeah. how many people are coming home with 4K televisions and aren't even actually experiencing 4K? So the same thing will happen with 8K. It'll like, Absolutely. Oh, it's better. It's better. I, yeah. I bought this today, babe. It says, it's better. It says 8K. It's right. 8K. And he's yeah. running a 2K signal to it. You know, because that's, that's, that's how it works. Now, somebody's you asking should, about you price. Should run 8K. You should run this stream in 8K, but no one can pick it because YouTube only goes up to 4K. <laughs> and it would buffer like crazy. They're like, we can't even watch. We got to go yeah. audio only. Well, somebody's asking about price. I'm thinking 550 to 600. They're going to drop the price. The PS5 is already dropping in price. We're seeing Target ads. Of um because I don't think there's a PS5 slim coming. I think no. Tom Henderson's more more on point here. They're going to go digital only. They're going to get rid of the disk drive version. There yep. will be a new version of the PlayStation 5. It might be slightly slimmer in physical shape, but it'll still be the same. And then they'll have the optional disk drive. That's going to help them hit. They want to sell like 25 million total this just this year. They're going to hit or that. Later this year or year over not year over year July. total total for 2023 they want to have 25 okay. million playstation 5 sold okay um and i think they're gonna i think they're gonna be around i think they'll have around 60 million in circulation when they start selling the ps5 pro end of next year i think they'll have about 60 million in circulation of next right, year of next year 2024 yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll agree with that i'll agree yeah. with that because they just hit 40 million when they did the ps4 pro 
they had 50 million PS4s in circulation. So I think this time they'll actually have more PS5s in circulation whenever they start selling the Pro. And the Pro actually helps the old model because the old model goes down in price and people yep. gobble it up because they've been waiting. Yep. And I, th- I, th- I think this year they'll end around, but they have 40 million now, and we're in, mm-hmm. that was the end of July. I think they hit, four, I'll say 47 to 50 mil by Christmas. This year? This year. This year, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the second half of the year they'll have a big boom because of Spider-Man 2 and the price drop. I think they're about to put jet fuel in the tank because... Yeah, the price drop is the big thing. Yeah, the price drop and... And Spider Spider Man is just that trailer. I couldn't believe the viewership on the trailer. It's like they do anything with Spidey, and it is it is just an absolute monster from a, from a marketing standpoint. I think it, remember back in June when we were talking about how you know Xbox Showcase One and the PlayStation Showcase was weak, and then we look at the numbers from June and PlayStation kicked the crap out of Xbox that month, like. Spider-Man was number 10, I think, on, on sales. The game didn't even come out. It was just the the announcement and pre-orders was all it took. And their all of their numbers went up. All of Sony's numbers went up, and all of Microsoft's numbers for like for hardware and stuff trended down. It's like we I try to tell people it's like we sit here and keep score on these showcases and these things on Twitter. And I try to tell folks, it's like that doesn't matter to the general public. Sony won June for what matters when it comes to money and sales yeah. they impacted the market with their showcase and everybody that said it sucked and was terrible and microsoft won proofs in the pudding baby no way the, the market responded sony walked away from june incredibly happy with everything that happened and they did it with essentially a bunch of third-party games cinematic trailers yep. and spider-man that's Spider-Man. what they did it with. Spider-Man's huge. Like, people people tried to argue with me the other day in my chat that Spider-Man wouldn't sell that much. And I'm like, you understand that Marvel's Marvel's cinematic universe, like, big titles. And yet, no movie after Endgame came out was doing very well. And Spider-Man uh, Far From Home came out, the last Spider-Man, right? And literally made almost $2 billion, right? $2 billion, because that's, that's Spider-Man, yeah. right? Not a group of superheroes that all combined together to... It, Almost two billion dollars with Spider-Man because Spider-Man is such, it is the top Marvel character in the world. That's what it is, right? I don't care if you like Fantastic Four or anything else. Spider-Man sells. He moves movies. He moves TV shows. He moves comic books. He moves video games. He's the king. He's the king globally. He's the most popular superhero. I looking back, and everybody always tries to pull this nonsense about you know it shouldn't be an exclusive. And it's like, well, talk to Xbox. They turned down the they turned down yeah. the contract. It's like you turned down Spider Man. Like, do you know who that is? It wasn't like they came and said, "Hey, do you want to make an Ant Man game?" They came to you with Spidey, the the king of the Marvel castle, and they said no. So everybody's mad that Sony has it now, and it's like, what what's Sony supposed to do? But like, will you pass on the contract? Right. But we'll make it multi plat with our right. own we'll studio and money. Yeah. Like, get the frick out of here. That conversation's exhausting. It's like, that's on Microsoft. <laughs> the fact that you can't play Baldur's Gate 3 right now is Microsoft's fault. The fact that you can't play Spider-Man is Microsoft's fault. Quit blaming Sony. It, it doesn't. It, it has no accuracy in the history of what has transpired between these two systems. The King is Iron Man? No. No, globally, Spider-Man kicks the snot out of every superhero in existence. He is the single most popular superhero 
in his, like nobody nobody touches Spidey. Nobody. He's he's God. Okay. In the realm of superheroes. <laughs> Chapter eight. Who's Spider Man? Is he the one that has money? No, he's the poor kid in, in the in the in the, in the neighborhood. Everybody can relate to Spidey, right? Everybody can relate to Spidey. Well, in the realm of big first-party exclusives, the other thing that was in headlines this week was Starfield, and for a bunch of weird reasons. So first, I was writing a show called The Danger of Hype because they had these Starfield animated shorts that came out and everyone's like, there's going to be mechs and a mech DLC. And people on Reddit were like, can you all calm down? These were just fun animated shorts. There will not be mechs. We're not going to have land vehicles. You know, Todd Howard says, we're just going to have our boost pack on our back. Like that's going to be the primary way we get around. And so I'm writing this show for you know the danger of hype because i i'm really looking forward to starfield and i'm telling you i'm like these youtubers these folks on twitter these folks on reddit you're gonna hype this game to the point that it'll never satisfy you and it's gonna be your own fault it's not gonna be bethesda's fault now obviously the game could come out and genuinely have problems it could be a cyberpunk absolutely it could be be a cyberpunk (laughs) but if but if you're disappointed in starfield because of hype and youtubers with goofy thumbnails that's your own fault so as i'm writing this show's monologue i notice something is happening on twitter there's this uh there's this thing sort of trending and people are angry that they're not marketing starfield there's this there's this growing consensus of irritation and anger that why aren't you marketing Starfield? Spider-Man's on buses and billboards and he's everywhere and you're not marketing Starfield. And then the third thing that comes into this equation is Starfield will not have a playable demo at Gamescom. I'm not worried about that. I think there's yeah, reasons that that could be worrying. I think there are. I think I think you could sure. come from an angle and say, wait a minute, your biggest presence ever at Gamescom and your biggest first-party title ever, and you didn't bring a demo, they're also not bringing Forza Motorsport with a demo. Now, there'll be a theater presentation for both Starfield and Forza Motorsport, so they are going, they are getting priority. So, that was sort of the journey that Starfield went on this week for me. Where do you land on this? Maybe just talk about hype first, before we touch on some of the other things. Where do you land on the hype machine? There's these Xbox podcasts and YouTubers that just clickbait the frick out of the audience. And it's like, you're the the enemy of Starfield, and yet you're claiming to be its biggest cheerleader. You're going to make people feel angry because you're hyping the game up beyond what's reasonable. I mean, didn't they do the hype? I mean, in June, they had a 45-minute broadcast of just that game. Name another game that does a breakdown of 45 minutes from the developer, not a, not a YouTuber breaking down a 45 minute show with, with a two minute trailer. Like we do, right. I'm talking about an actual company coming out for 45 minutes and telling you information constantly for their game there. Nobody does that. Even rockstar doesn't do that with their game. They show like a six minute trailer or whatever it is, or maybe a 12 minute trailer with that, with that woman's voice that comes over and says that this is what you're going to do in the game. Nobody does that. So, I'm not worried about the advertisement and either is Microsoft because Microsoft knows that they've already put it out that Starfield's coming on Xbox. It's on game pass and that's what they're marketing. Right? So mm-hmm. I don't think it's a big, a big deal. Plus yes, you're a month away, but we all have goldfish brains. Let's be honest. Okay. And if you advertise a game too early, does anybody remember a game called, uh, what, what's that game called? Uh, Avion. What, what's that? What's that one called? That that's, 
Immortals of a Immortals of Avian. Uh, point proven, right? You couldn't even totally, remember. To to totally forgot what the game is, right? Do you like that's how I did that? That's because you're old, though. That's not right, because... right. No, that's part of the plan, right? So people forget about it, and and it's, is it out yet? People are like, I don't know. Is that game out yet? I don't think it's out yet, right? And that that's the point, right? People have yeah. goldfish brains, and they forget things like that. So Starfield, we're what three, four weeks out, right? Or I think we're a month out from because it comes out the sixth. I think in the next two weeks, you'll start seeing more advertisement for Starfield. Right? I agree. I agree with that. Yep. Because yeah. it's it's about now. Okay. So as far as Starfield not being at Gamescom for a playable demo, I said this on my show this week. I was like, I'm not worried about it because it's a huge open world game. And mm -hmm. I think, and I'm not defending them in any way, just that one, it doesn't want to overshadow everything else that's at Gamescom. They have other games i think they have like 24 games or some 22 games that are going to be in the booth 30 30 playable games at their booth 30. there you go 30 playable games and if you have starfield there for the public to play mm -hmm. and not the th 32 games it takes away from the other 32 games it overshadows the yeah. other games because everybody wants to play starfield okay mm -hmm. hence mm -hmm. why they're putting it behind closed doors for the media or whatever else to to hype it up that way they'll capture footage they'll talk about they'll run articles for it and that's just a week before it comes out yes you can look at it and say well they're not showing it and they're hiding something absolutely you can you can go that way and we have proof because they've done it with other past games in the past with cyberpunk and uh i think fallout 76 did the same thing if i'm not mistaken they they hold it close to their chest they did it with redfall they they, they send it out to certain people they they hype it up that's the broadcast now right you're not getting this traditional on the billboard on the bus while you watch tv because a lot of people cut the cable they don't have commercials so you don't really see it if, and if you have ad blockers and whatnot on YouTube or pay for YouTube premium, you don't see ads as well. So you might not see these ads. So the way the ads now run are people talking like you and me, even though we're not paid, but talking about the game. It's just this organic like uh, advertisement, guerrilla marketing per se of what these games are going to do. So I don't think the not showing up at Gamescom to have a public uh, beta or demo is a is concerning i have more concerns for the uh forza motorsports than i do starfield because forza motorsports they've been hiding didn't tell us anything about it showed a little bit of it and now it comes out in october and they're still not showing it to the public and that's not going to overshadow the other games so it's a little concerning about that game because that game was supposed to come out before june and it got delayed after right to, to the second half of the year that's more concerning to me than than starfield yeah, yeah, I did. There, there's a lot here. First and foremost, the the lack of marketing. It's you, people have to remember that it's Bethesda. I was like, this is this isn't that concerning because Todd Howard does not like long marketing cycles. He joked in an interview that he would market he would market a game for two weeks if it was up to him. Right? They like that five to six month window. <clears throat> and people, <clears throat> excuse me, people have to remember that they did this forty five minute direct. And I, I, there's a video of where somebody just pulled all the gameplay out. It's 25 minutes of gameplay, okay? Right. Now, yes, it's not raw, as in, like, uncut, somebody's sitting there playing, right? It's, it's, it's clearly, I think, PC gameplay, and it's very curated and sliced up, but it's still 25 minutes of gameplay. It's like, you've seen a lot of the game, and... I agree with you. I think they heat up the marketing halfway through this month. I think that'll be more effective that, you know, you, you do a, you know, a two week runway. And this, I think, is where I'm curious. Will they land some of that 
that marketing plane at Gamescom with this theater presentation. Last year when they went to Gamescom, they just showed what they had already shown. They didn't show anything new at Gamescom for Starfield. That was a little bit more understanding because it had been delayed. Now that Gamescom is literally the week before the game comes out, I would anticipate this theater presentation being new stuff. I mean, I, that, that would sure. be that would be where I would lean. So I anticipate us getting a lot of great stuff mid-August all the way to Gamescom. Now, on the subject of there being no demo at Gamescom, I, I don't think it's concerning at all. I think you could look at it and say, now, hang on a minute. Is this going to be another Redfall? Are you going to let a bunch of very hand-picked people play your right. game? You know, we got Paris on some uh, podcast, the Kind of Funny podcast, saying he spoke to somebody anonymously. Somebody, I saw that. Yeah. And it's like, he says, you know, he's feeling very good about the game, but he says it's going to be interesting to see how the game reviews because of the sheer size. And that's something that I brought up. Thank you so much, Borbs, for more members being gifted. That's something that I brought up. I was like, how do you, how do you demo a game like Starfield? Like, what are you going to let people do? Do a mission on a planet? Right. And then, right. like you're saying... There's 30 other games. Everybody's going to be lined up to play Starfield. That's a logistical nightmare. It's like nobody wants to play these other games. Everybody wants to play Starfield, and you're going to have to time everybody. Here, right, we uh, have 10 minutes to walk around the ship or something. You yeah, know what I mean? Play 10 minutes. It's like, I didn't, I, I didn't get anywhere. I just walked, right? <laughs> like, I, I went to it to do the mission, and then my, my, my time is up. So I could be, I'm, it's easier for me to see why you would not do a demo than to be like, oh, this is hyper-concerning. But I did have this caveat. I said, listen, if the runway to Starfield is the same hand-picked outlets that were fluffing up Redfall, right. and it's and you're not giving it to everybody, buddy, I'm going to have a bunch of red flags. Like, no, you better have this in every outlet's hands right now so they can play the snot out of it. Well, maybe not right now. At least give them a week or two to play the game. Like, Baldur's Gate 3 went out to people and they had a week to play it, right? The full version. Yeah, yeah. Game this size, man. Give people a week or two. Have that embargo. Let this game prove itself. You lock this thing down to a couple of outlets and the embargo's like day before, you know, midnight hour. Oh, I'm going to be super concerned about this game if that's the case. Well, didn't they just do the embargo? I, I know they did Act 1 for Baldur's Gate 3, but no one could do reviews until the game came out, correct? It was the same type of thing? Well, it was early access, so they gave people the, what you, I guess you would call it the 1.0, the full release of the game they allowed review right. outlets to have a week ago. Okay. Well, <clears throat> Star, Starfield, if they come out and skill up or all the other outlets, or I shouldn't say outlets, but other content creators out there come out and say, well, I got to play the game, but I can't show you my footage. That's concerning to me as well, right? If they can't show their footage and they're like, well, they don't want you to ruin anything. Because that's that's down to the actual creator itself, right? If you're a good content creator, you don't want to spoil it for everybody else. So if you played certain things, you would edit around and make sure you don't see like bosses or end type of, th- type of things and just talk about it with that playing in the background. But if they come out and say, yeah, I am... Um, Bethesda wouldn't let us capture anything at the event, so this is footage that they captured. That's a little concerning to me. I don't know if it's concerning to you. Oh, it definitely is, because the we we never got... I don't think we ever got an adequate explanation for what happened with Starfield. Like, I was told that these guys explained what... I'm sorry, not with Starfield, with Redfall. With Redfall, yeah. Yeah, I don't feel like we ever got an adequate explanation 
Why'd y'all come back from a capture event singing this game's praises? Like, minor concerns about performance. That game was a pile of trash. Like, what what did you play? Because I have a hard time believing. If you played some better version, well, where where is is that? Where is it? Yeah, exactly. Where is that? So, yeah, I I am very much right now. I'm like not concerned but I'm also very tentatively excited and looking forward to it cuz it's like this could this could go either way man this, this is a big game there's so much that could go wrong I had a guy debating with me yesterday saying oh this thing's going to chart top 3 in sales and I'm like how like how is it going to chop tart chart top 3 it's got to overcome Hogwarts and Diablo <laughs> and Zelda and like yeah it's like, just because because it's on Game Pass, it won't do it. Right. That's what I was trying to explain to him. It's like the only major outlet that you'll be selling to will be Steam audience. And you, what you think you're going to sell like 20 something million copies yeah. but in three months, you know, on, on Steam? I don't see it. Now, Lifetime, I, I, I'm sure it'll, it'll hit crazy sales, but yeah, not initially. No. And if it launches and is bad, the PC user base will turn on this very quickly. Everybody's like, oh, the modders will fix it. I don't think the PC user base is going to sit around and wait for that. They'll they'll uninstall and get a refund. Oh, no, this it, game. it'll be like spoiled milk. They'll yeah. be like, no, we're done. Yeah. Yeah. If it if it struggles, I, I and 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 for me, for me, that's the, that's why I want to go the PC route, because it's like. But even then, I'm like, I don't know what kind of performance I'm going to get. You got this AMD contract. They're they're putting out PC spec recommendations that sound like advertisements. It's like, well, what what kind of a rig should I build to play this game? I I'm I'm on the boat right now where obviously I have Game Pass, but I don't know if I want to get it for Game Pass. And I I've always said, who's going to buy it? Right. The only reason I would buy it, and I would buy it on PC. I would get it for Steam because I know the mod community is going to do wonderful things with this game. So even if the game comes out and it's just a terrible state, the mod community is going to make it like great, right? If it, like I said a couple weeks ago, if it's like a Star Wars mod and it would get to be like Han Solo flying a ship or something, then I'm all in, right? But if I get the Xbox version or if I get the Microsoft version on PC, there's not going to be any kind of mods. It, there is, but sold to you by by them themselves, right? So. I'm a little, I'm like, should I buy it? Should I buy it for, should I wait and see what people talk about? Is it going to be good or not? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm wishy-washy right now where I should get it. Well, chapter eight is in chat saying that, uh, you know, I had an NPC floating 12 feet in the air in the first five minutes of Baldur's Gate 3. If that happens in Starfield, people will say it's unplayable. I, I don't actually think it's, I don't think people are going to be like ruthlessly unfair that like if there's any minor bugs or glitches, what I'm saying is, the PC audience is in a really, I think, they're, well, how would I describe it? I wouldn't test their patience right now. They've had a lot of bad multi-plat yeah. launches this year. Yeah. Jedi Survivor, Woe Long, you had the Last of Us PC port. They're, they're not in a good mood, okay? If, if I'm a PC gamer, I, I'm not, I'm not, don't try my patience, okay? If your game runs bad day one, I'm done. I'm uninstalling it, I'm getting a refund, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't toy with that with the PC audience personally. And we don't really know what PC performance is even going to look like given that it's there are a lot of people believe that we're looking at PC footage in this direct and it didn't even maintain 30. It dropped into 20 FPS at times. Right. Which is concerning for those people. Right. So, yeah, it from where I sit, 
I, I have made, I don't even know how many videos I've made about Starfield. I very much am looking forward to the game, but the, the the marketing heat up in August and the way the review outlets handle it and the way the embargo is handled, that right there is, to me, that's the last piece I need to step into the game with confidence or with tons of concern. Because I'm not in either camp right now because... The fact that they had to cap it at 30, okay, you know, I'll get over that, whatever. You, you, that was an artistic decision from a super long time ago that they made when you know laying the groundwork of the game. They wanted that level of freedom or whatever. Okay, fine, I'll get over that. But man, oh man, if this game does not run well on, on a PC that's that's built to run games well, then I, I think that thing is going to really, really struggle and suffer, which will... I'll have so many questions. I will have so many questions, knowing that they bought ZeniMax in response to PlayStation grabbing all the timed exclusivities with Death, uh, Deathloop, Ghostwire. Starfield was heading towards exclusivity. I mean, they admitted this. Phil Spencer yeah. admitted, "Oh yeah, we didn't want that to happen again, so we bought ZeniMax." I mean, isn't it, isn't it funny though? Like, obviously, it's like, "What have you done for me lately?" Like in the, in the film industry, it's like, "What have you done for me lately?" Like your best thing, if 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 your last thing sucked, they don't want to work with you. If you've done something well, they'll work with you. So as as gamers, right? Bethesda has always made games that have always been contenders, like a game of the year, right? They've Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim, Fallout Three, Fallout Four. The only game that had yes, there was bugs in those games, but the only game that was really criticized was fallout 76 which was the co-op multiplayer online type of thing they kind of just chucked out there and now four years later i think it's four years later it's actually in a good spot right so that's what everyone hates bethesda for they're like oh it's gonna suck it's gonna be like this this catalyst of they can't do anything right and i don't know if that's the case right i don't know if starfield's gonna suck like fallout 76 did when it came out i don't know if fall uh, if starfield's gonna did i say did I say it right? Yeah. Starfield. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, I don't know if it's going to suck like Fallout 76. I, I just think that a lot of people buy or play Bethesda games because of the rich storytelling they they do inside their games. Like Skyrim is a beloved game to this day, like 12 years later. Right. That's technically the last game or no Fallout 4 is the, technically the last game they created. And it it was a great game. So why is everyone on the bandwagon that they want this to suck? You know what I'm saying? It feels like everyone wants it to suck, not that it might suck. They, they're they like, it's going to suck, and if it doesn't suck, they're like, oh, see, it's okay. Yeah, there were numerous times where I had to defend Bethesda to people that were like, well, Fallout 4 and Skyrim were trash, and the community had to save them. I'm like, what are you talking about? I played those <laughs> games. Those games were great. I didn't I didn't have any... I had, you know, bugs in Fallout that I remember, but nothing to the point that, like, I couldn't play the game. These games won awards. Like, what are you talking about? So I always felt that Bethesda gets this weird revisionist history. It's like in the opposite of how we talk about Halo. Halo is suddenly right. a great game that they just didn't deliver live service on. It's like... No, it was, it was mediocre at best. It was a bad game. It didn't launch well. Stop this revisionist history. Well, we go in the opposite direction with Bethesda. We want to act like they're not some like historical game in gaming history. A company, I mean, in gaming history. Like, they have greats in their backlog that are now remembered as like, oh, they were terrible and the modders saved them. It's like, that just isn't true. That is such a false summary. And I don't think... That's what we want. The funny thing is, is then we bank on that for Starfield. Like, well, the modders will fix it. I was like, that's not going to be good enough. That's not going to be good enough. You can't right. tell that to the PC audience 
or even the, the Xbox audience. Like, I'm really curious how this thing's going to run on the Series S. I am very, very curious. <laughs> like, I mean, such a big game, bro. <laughs> Microsoft Flight Sim runs on the S. I mean, it crashes the system every once in a while, but <laughs> it runs. It runs. Yeah, but is it? Is no, it Starfield? No, 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 no. But it's giant. I mean, that's what I'm saying, though. It's a giant game. But it, it, it runs it, but it doesn't run it very well. Uh, and I, I, man, people always feel like I'm taking shots at Series S, and it's like, man, I'm taking up for you. You, the, the consumer and the, and, the, and the customer, that ecosystem has just been absolutely just millstoned by that stinking box man it's so it's so frustrating <laughs> we can't camp out on this all day though we do have one last thing that's very relevant many of you watched our diablo 4 is boring stream where mike and i discussed how i thought the game was boring i stopped playing that and video I loved is, it at that moment. Yeah, and I loved yeah, it at that time. Yeah, you yeah. were playing. You were loving it. That video is sitting at 12,000 views. It's the most watched Friday segment with Mike I've ever done. People really, really resonated with it. And this week, a little game called Path of Exile seemingly taking shots at Diablo 4. They did their Exile Con, and in this week, all the reports coming out were... They announced a beta, a closed beta, 11 months in advance. Yeah, who, d- yeah. who, d- who does that? Answered some <laughs> questions about, you know, Diablo 4's more open-world MMO. They have these cooldowns. We're going to be more action-focused like Elden Ring. And then they talked about the seasonal struggles. So I did a video, and I just said, listen, Path of Exile's coming for Diablo, right? They're they're taking advantage of the fact that Diablo 4 is in a terrible spot. Like, the, the audience is very mad. All of my predictions about Season 1... They came true in the, some of the wildest ways I thought. I was like, I, season one's going to be mass player exodus. But I didn't think it was going to be for the reasons that happened. Right. Um, and so we discussed in a secondary thing that I did, which was a live stream, is could it be a Diablo killer? What do you, wh- where are you with Diablo? <laughs> where are you with Diablo? And, uh, and what do you think of all this Path of Exile heat? Uh, well, Diablo to me is, is dead. Uh, I'm not playing it at all, and I won't go back to it um, probably until 2024 sometime. Like the 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 fixes, the fixes that they implemented into the game, uh, completely and utterly destroyed the game for me. Like one, I knew going in before I even bought the game, uh, I was like, I'm going in for the story. I'm going in for the for the you know not for the seasons or whatever. And I played the game. I have 160 plus hours in it. I enjoyed my time in Diablo 4. And I said, when seasons comes out, I don't think I'm going to like it, right? And sure enough, when it came to the seasons, I was on vacation, so I came back uh, a week after it launched, and I played that weekend. I played for about three to four hours, and I hate. I, I took like, like level 15 or 17, and I hated it. I, I hated the the fact that the loop of of it was to go into the same dungeons I was doing before. Uh, I hated the fact that you're getting these uh, malignant hearts that you put in and just doing everything over again. The same exact things I was doing, just things were named differently. And I I talked about this on my channel. I talked about this in our discussion. I said, if they come out with malignant hearts this season and the next season, it's like, um, I forget what I said, but let's just call it like tumor hearts or armored things, whatever. I'm like, the loop is just terrible, right? Like it's all comes down to nightmare dungeons. And they do the exact same thing every other game has done where they they make it sound like they have a lot of end game, mm-hmm. but they they really don't. 
they they make a they make a square or they make a, a triangle. But what they really need to do is make an upside down triangle. And the more you go, the higher, more things to do as you get into end game. And they just make you do the exact same thing over and over. And it's it's not appealing to me in any way, shape, or form. And by the time it takes them to fix the certain things that I don't like about the game, it'll be season two, and then season three. So I'm done. I'm done with Diablo. I had a, I had a blast playing through the story, but I'm I'm done playing their game. Well, the interesting thing was, I remember when we talked about it, one of my big contentions was I had my own reasons for being bored, and I had my own criticisms. Yep. But then secondarily, I kept telling people, this game was not ready for launch. It, to me, was obvious when the server slam weekend, the the pendulum swinging on Necro. It's like, how do you not know what you're doing with Necro? Like, you don't have right. him b- balanced? Like, how does early game leveling feel like garbage? Like, what? how does this, how does that, how did, I, I looked at all of it, and even in the opening week, I was like, there are some insane builds that people came up with so fast. This is all very basic stuff that you would expect yep. Blizzard to have figured out. And so, you know, I tried to argue, to, you know, that, that it wasn't ready, and people kept telling me, no, it's, it, look at the sales, look how many people are playing, I was like, okay, all right. And then I said, you know, season one will be mass player exodus because everybody that doesn't want to start over is going to be frustrated. I I don't even know if that's a factor at this point. That got completely drowned out. If there's a casual base of people that were shocked by the seasonal format, I don't know where they are because everybody else is screaming. Like, everybody else is angry. It's like they actually upset the very people that I kept arguing this game is only made for career Diablo players. This game is only made for hardcore, like ARPG, seasonal players. Like, that's who it's made for. And those are the people they ticked off. That, I think, spells trouble. Now, the question is, and this is what this is what kind of came up in the discussion of, is Path of Exile 2 going to be a Diablo 4 killer? Well, it's got a ways before it's coming yeah. out. Like, it's, ba- it's closed beta is, is June of next year. Um... Do, where do you stand on a confidence arc of can they have that comeback? Can they bring Mike back to the game, right? Where do you stand on that? Because they did it with Diablo 3. It seems like their uh, their core competency is launching something terribly and unready and then fixing it later. So, I mean, is that what we're staring at here? It To bring me back, they would have to let me bring the character that I already put 160 hours into in two seasons right and they can easily do that because of the level scaling they have it doesn't matter if i'm level 77 or if i'm level one if i go into the seasons everything i'm fighting is the same level as me and to go up in the story of the game i have to go up the season pass which even if i'm a level 77 uh i still have to go up level one two three four i still have to do the tasks at hand to go through the battle pass to get it up leveled right so it doesn't make any sense that that's the way they get me back if that happens or not, I don't know, and I don't care. Uh, as far as Path of Exile, I don't think I, I hate the the term uh, game killer, right? Right. right we right. did this with Destiny every time. Every yep. time a game came out, they're like, "It's a Destiny killer." And it's just like no game kills any other game. What kills the game is the game itself, right? Look at look at Destiny right now. It's killing itself by doing what it's doing, right? Look at Diablo. It's killing itself by what it's doing. I don't think another game that's coming out 11 months from now is going to be a Diablo killer. I think Diablo itself is going to be killing their own game and the player base windows down to that 20% that makes 80% of the money for them. So 
Path of Exile, the difference between Path of Exile and Diablo is Diablo is a paid game right up the front, and they already got your money and they can laugh at your face. Path of Exile 2 is a free-to-play game, and free-to-play games have to be good from the start because they want you to continue to keep playing, so they make the game really good. Okay, and this is... There's a hardcore audience for Path of Exile right now, and those people are going to move right over to Path of Exile 2. Newcomers are going to have a hard time with Path of Exile because it's it's really complicated, right? And I know they're making efforts to make it more uh, easier for people to get in and, like, teach you the ways of, of in, in Path of Exile 2, like the onboarding type of thing. Uh, so if they can if they can do that, then, yeah, they'll they'll pull people from all games if if the casual not i don't want to say casual if a new player can come into path of exile 2 and not feel overwhelmed and confused by all the stuff that they have in that game right yeah they definitely are wanting to be more approachable you know they have indicated that they have said that and that was always my pushback with poe was i got to go get a guide like cuz the the skill yeah. trees are are uh, are bonkers and i don't have time to you know research and I'm not trying to do a research paper, you know, right. to, to, to play a video game. And I think it's awesome that that level of depth is there, but that was always a barrier for me. It's like, man, I do not have time. I am a 100% casual dad gamer now. I, I don't have the time to, to, to do all those things. And so for me, when I looked at this, I agree with you. One game cannot kill another. But I did cite two examples of times where a game seemed to be dead set on hurtling toward a cliff and another game came along and helped out, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I gave the example of Battleborn and the Overwatch demo, or if you remember that, uh, the Overwatch demo. Yeah, player. I remember. I bought, I bought into Battleborn. <laughs> right. And I, I played Battleborn for like a week and I was like, this game's just not built well. And Overwatch was like, yeah, it certainly isn't. And we're a Blizzard game. So they, they just shoved Battleborn off the cliff. The other time was World of Warcraft was already having player exodus. Final Fantasy XIV comes in, delivers greatness, and everybody comes flooding over to Final Fantasy XIV. So the situation now in my mind is Diablo IV is on notice. It's like, you're on notice because these guys are delivering, delivering excellence. They're bringing the ARPG genre forward. You're not. You right. just did more of the same. You didn't really elevate any systems. You played it safe. And there's so much about your game that needs to be fixed. This game needs almost an overhaul at every level, in my opinion. I think skill trees leveling, damage resistance scaling does not need to be in the campaign or world tier one. It makes no sense. It belongs in the end game. You need to consider your eternal realm characters and what they're going to do seasonally because there are people that don't want to play the game, you know, seasonally. Uh, with with starting over a new character every time you have this whole open world but yet we're all in nightmare dungeons not in the open world <laughs> right yeah so they're on notice because in my mind if the game state doesn't change much like because like okay they push out this patch and it's got a bunch of buffs and stuff in it i'm like okay i don't care about that like right. okay cool you're fixing you're fixing dumb mistakes that you made with character nerfs so the content loop, the game, the vibe, the grind, it's all still the same. So for me, they need their loot 2.0 moment that they had with Diablo 3. You're going to have to buckle down and in a year or two deliver the Haymaker update because if not, Path of Exile 2 is where I'm going and it's where a lot of other people are going to go. And if they can successfully launch Path of Exile 2 
you know, multi-platform like console pc to me i'm like diablo 4 is on notice you got to ship up because i don't think people are going to mess around with this long term if it doesn't dramatically improve and i think that's the danger is they're building on shaky foundation because i just don't think the game was ready yeah but see they win though right they've won because it's the fastest selling diablo game ever so they've made their they've made their billions of dollars and now they can take their sweet sweet time uh fixing it over time right because there's no downside now the downside is they already got your money up front and they can take their sweet time and people are going to come back and they're going to make that dribble money effect with the with the cosmetics or the battle pass and whatnot for the season pass whatever right so they'll they'll constantly make little money here and there but they've already made their money for the game the game is successful right regardless if you want they can literally stop being a live service game today and be like yep we're working on diablo 5 right they're they're in they're good so that's that's the problem with games like this. The problem with the game like this is that no matter how the game comes out, they marketed it well, they showed it off well, people fell for it, right? And now they made their tons and boatloads of money and they're just like, yeah, we'll fix it when we want to fix it. I think there's a greater tension here than that, though. I think when a game this size, studio this size, bandwidth at this level, I don't think they can be that brazen and be like, well, we made our money back, so screw you. Like, they have revenue projections that this game has to meet. Oh, for sure. Or they will, they will, they'll just, they'll cut teams. I mean, they'll, they'll lay people off. They, Blizzard won't care. They'll shred, you know, every department if they feel like they need to because that's the real dilemma is and i kept telling people that i was like if you don't have conversion of that battle pass because all these players are like i don't want to start over they're they're gonna have to respond to that well they got they got a bigger whale to fry i'm not even gonna say they got bigger fish to fry they got a bigger whale to fry like you hurt the core audience's opinion of this game it's not even about the newcomers the casuals the the mid lane players like me that are like I could take or leave this game like you hurt that core and when you hurt the core it's like the core of a planet man you'll blow the thing up if those people don't come back yeah but they've done this before right Diablo 3 was in problem and they fixed it and people came back right like do you see what I'm saying I'll, I'll I'll push back Diablo 3 when they did that the market wasn't as competitive. There are so many good games out. There are so many or, excellent games. Last Epoch, Path of Exile 2. I don't think it's as easy. I don't think it's as easy it, anymore to do that. does that be as easy? I'll but say, they the, also I'll say the same it. thing about Destiny. I'll say the same thing about Destiny. You want to pull that crap now? Your game's dead. Nobody's but, giving you that shot because it's too. Com- the market's too competitive. But that's my point, though. They, they charge $70, $80, $90 for their game up front, right? The 10 million people that bought the game, they made their money. Where De- when De- when Destiny, uh, sorry Destiny, when Diablo three came out, they didn't make that money, right? They didn't make that many sales. Right? This is the fastest selling Diablo of all time, right? So they've surpassed everything they've done before. So they have they have some leeway. They have some room to be like, okay, let's get our stuff together, and if we fix it in season three or season four, we're okay. We can float, right? I, overall, with the with the money that they've made from the initial sales. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll say maybe. I, 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 I think they can turn it around. I think it's precarious. I think it's more challenging this time than last time because the market's competitive for attention right now. Like we, like what Weezy's saying, World of Warcraft is still struggling, even with apparently Dragonflight being apparently a decent DLC. You're, once Exodus happens and people start playing something else, it's all oh, the more done. difficult to get them to come back. 
Oh, I know. I talk about it all the time. First impressions are everything, right? If your first impressions is that this game sucks, majority of the people are like, yeah, I'm not going to go back to that game. They might, they might, when they're bored and there's nothing else going on, they have a lull in games, whatever their backlog is, they're like, uh, maybe I'll go back and see what this game is. But that's very rare because you might come back and go, ah, it's a little overwhelming. I don't know what it is. And they, that's it. It's just done. If they hook you, like I went from playing nonstop 160 plus hours in the first like two weeks to dead cold turkey like i just stopped playing the game completely because i didn't agree what they're doing i'm like i'm good if this is the way it is and it's gonna take you two two seasons to fix this stuff i'll see you in 2024 yeah and that is i think the real the real telltale sign of problem is when it's so easily put down I, this is the easy... I, I was so shocked at how easy it was. Anticipated this game. I played D1, Diablo 2, Diablo 3. I played Diablo 3 a bunch with my wife. And I'm level 26. I'm sitting on the couch with her. And I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to play this game. And I, I've never yep. been able to do that before with games like this. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think players are now more happy to be like, I got a backlog of games, bro. Exactly. There are so many games coming out that are live service. That's the other bubble that could potentially burst here. Many people have said this. There's only so many players in the pool, man. You start doing tons of live service games. Last Epoch and Path of Exile are aware of this. Did you know that they talk so their seasons don't overlap? Oh, I didn't know that. The guys working on Last Epoch play Path of Exile, so they want to be able to play the seasons. So they're like, yeah, we actually talk (laughs) so that they don't overlap. That's awesome. And, but, awesome. but they're keenly aware of that. It's like, dude, there's right. only so many players out here that are right. going to play these kinds of games. Right. That's true for Diablo 4. Like, uh, there's only so here, many players. Here. What do you think? They, I just saw yesterday, someone posted in my Discord that uh, they're doing a Twitch the Twitch Prime drop or Amazon Prime drop where it's uh, four levels of your season pass, right? And people are like, oh, it's no big deal. I'm like, that's concerning. That means a lot of people have stopped playing the season, in my opinion. And they're trying to get people to come back. This is not trying to get new players to buy Diablo to give them four levels. This is giving four levels to people that have the game that have just stopped playing the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Like, I, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I had to look at it twice to fully grapple with what I was looking at that you could get Battle Pass tiers yeah. from Prime Gaming. I was like, yeah, what? I was like, what? That's the weirdest thing, because if you don't have the battle pass, that tier right. doesn't that doesn't do anything for you. Which means they're 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 focusing on the people that had the game and just stopped playing the game, and they're like, "Hey, uh, we're, we'll give you four four levels of the battle pass." I was like, "Ooh," I was like, "That's a little early to do this, especially since the game just came out and the season's what two weeks in, yeah. and now they're pushing." So that that means the number they're telling you that so many people bought the game. There's a huge downside of people that. We're playing the season and went, yeah, you know what? This is not a, this is not interesting enough to me. So they, they they put that out there. Well, apparently 11th Hour Games, the guys behind Last Epoch, they're going to be at Gamescom. Ooh, uh, they're nice. going to have a booth. So Wheezy's saying, very interested to see what Last Epoch has to show. Wheezy's frustrations, I want to echo them because I think a lot of people echo them, is the frustrations with Diablo 4 was more than just boring or not ready or not balanced or whatever. There are people in his camp that said... There were all these ARPGs that moved the genre forward with nice features, nice quality of life, and Diablo 4 didn't take any of that and do anything with it, which is just, it's like, it's remarkable. It would be like Destiny 3 coming out 
and ignoring all the other live service games and looter shooters that have tried new things and, and, and learned great lessons, and they just basically make the same game again, which, you know, knowing Bungie, they might do that, but that would be the same thing. Of like, you guys haven't done, you've not pulled there's, from any of the games out here. There's no might, Lono. They are 100% going to do that. <laughs> I, got, I just want to commiserate a little bit with you. I looked at, I looked at my Twitter feed yesterday, and I was like... <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh, and am I glad. I am glad that I am not over there because that is that doesn't look very pleasant to have to cover full time as like a central (laughs) game. (laughs) Just Yeah. They're they're definitely going to be doing that. Yeah, the, the 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 issue with um with with Diablo is in right now. I don't want to say the sky's falling and they're gonna they're gonna be like we're closing down the game. That's not gonna happen, right? This game's gonna be around for years to come. It's just that the masses that they have right now can they captivate them to keep them coming, or are they gonna lose the masses and they only have that core core base of players that are constantly playing the game? And will they spend enough to keep the the, the game running? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and live service games are so it's such a challenge because. If you start, and this is something I said the other day in my Diablo 4 coverage, I was like, if, if you get into this reaction pendulum swing pattern, you will never get things to the right place. One of the things I felt that Bungie did and Diablo did that worked is they drilled down and then said, here's everything. Instead of like this reactionary, oh, we'll do this. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. We'll, oh, oh, sorry. And it's like, whoo, whoo, whoo. And when that pendulum starts swinging, it's almost like when you lose control of the car and you overcourse, you overcorrect yeah, and you, you spin out. It's like, y'all are going to spin the game out. No one's going to know which way's up. It's like, so what's my build? Who do I pick? What am I supposed to do? What'd you nerf? What'd you buff? What, what's the meta? And when people start to feel as if the ground beneath them is just quicksand, they'll, that, that will expedite the exodus because then you've actually made the problem worse. And yeah. that's the real danger of a live service game is you immediately feel that urgency and impulse like, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. Oh my gosh, we'll fix it. And it's like, yeah, you broke it worse by trying to fix it. Because I told folks, I said, there are unforeseen consequences that will come from this immediate reaction that they're doing right now. These patches, these hot fixes. Mark my words. I said, in two months, you'll see, oh, whoops. Yeah, we got to take that back, switch this. Oh, this broke that. And and that's why I told folks in the early stages, like, they don't even know base level class balancing. I was like, how how the frick? I said, what do you think is going to happen to the game in a month when when people really comb over the game and really find the the deep-seated problems that are there? I I said last year when they they mentioned it, I think it was like in October, November, they said, yeah, all the scaling is going to scale with you. I was like, ooh. I was like, that is the worst decision they could have made inside Diablo 4, where the whole time you're just the same level as everything that you're fighting. Is the worst. That's the worst part of the game for me. Yeah, Weezy said that you asked him a month ago about Diablo 4. Everything he said was spot on. I hated to be so negative when the game first came out. I was very critical. I said there were so many of these design decisions are so backwards. I, I, I took such an issue with the damage resistant scaling it's like why are you making the enemies resist me more as i level up in world tier one like what like that's that's a min maxing mechanic mechanic for the end game that doesn't make any sense in your base level game 
it just I, I had a video saying it's split identity I had a video saying it's an MMO in disguise I, you know I had an, a video saying season one will 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 send a bunch of players out of the game and it was it's just one of those times it was like I really was hoping one day I'd wake up and be like man I was really wrong about that they nailed this game because it's a game I wanted to play I didn't like checking off all these boxes on my bingo right. card I was like oh yeah it's it's unfortunate i did that with battlefield uh battlefield 2042 i nailed it spot on the entire time before it even came out i was like stay away from this game it's gonna take 18 months to fix and now there's literal articles that talk about how it took them 18 months to fix and i was just like man i I don't want to be right but sometimes the experience of playing games and being in the industry just like doing all this all the time you know history's got patterns you know history repeats itself so yeah, and I think that's always a struggle as a YouTuber is I know negative clicks get, you know, I know negativity drives engagement more and being critical drives engagement more. But I loved booting up this morning and saying Baldur's Gate 3 is crushing it. 96% on Steam. This game's yep. delivering excellence. And I, like that was, that's just refreshing. And that's a game that doesn't even really appeal to me. I'm not a DMD yep. guy. I'm not a turn-based guy, but I'm like, this is, a, this is a great year for gaming. Like there's so Fantastic. many good yeah. games coming out. So when one of them falters or steps wrong, kind of back to what I was saying, it almost, I think hurts worse when you're in a really thick year like this. If you step wrong, it's, oof people don't give you a second chance they're like no nah, i'm done i'll just go play something else there's another yeah, game there's, there's, another so game many, yeah, there's so many games coming out you know you don't need to give them a second chance yeah and I, i'm looking forward to a lot more of that's coming this year and obviously we'll be covering it and I, the response today was so good i tried something a little different with the thumbnail i just put reforge recap on it and then just a bunch of uh logos of the games uh and things that we were going to cover Hopefully that was something that you guys saw and thought, oh, that'd be a good show. You clicked, you came, you came, you hung out. Um, I'm going to set up the VIP stream. So currently, if you got a gifted member, we had a crazy day. So tonight I'll be doing the Beat Saber stream in the Just Dance outfit. It's humiliating and hilarious and fun all at the same time. You guys went crazy. We hit the goal. So all members can come to that tonight. That is basically in six hours. Okay, so wherever you are in the world, Six hours from now, 8 p.m. Eastern, we do that show. But I do a show on Fridays with Mike and my producer. It's a VIP-only unfiltered stream. So you may want to consider upgrading to VIP right now while I get that set up. And while I'm getting that set up, Mike's going to tell you about his content, his channel, and what you can find when you come and watch him. So you can find me at 30NSG uh, Monday through Thursday from 10 o'clock in the morning till noon Eastern. I cover three topics, and we kind of just bounce back and forth with chat so literally i just read the news and then we have conversations back and forth with chat very interactive uh so come check out those streams uh, or watch the past broadcasts uh we also do uh monday through thursday or monday through wednesday 8 p.m to about 10 11 o'clock we play video games and we banter back and forth while i'm playing video games and then thursday night i do a podcast called generation x gaming which is a weekly podcast i go with my brother uh they go over a few top stories in the past week and we rant along the way we're we just hit episode 359 so we're we almost have enough episodes where you can watch one episode a day for the entire year that's how we've been doing it since 2015 uh so come and check that out uh as well and then um tonight uh, i'm playing a, a throwback 
uh, I'm playing Star, uh, Star Wars, Transformers War of Cybertron uh, on the 360. Um, I'm jumping back into that because I'm excited for Transformers Reactivate, and there's some buzz about it happening at Gamescom. So we're going to play through the Transformers games uh, leading up to the Gamescom. Yeah, the, I heard that that game was going to be at uh, at Gamescom, and I'm really excited. I got a little concerned when we looked at it the one time because it looked like we might see some some maybe Gasha mechanics. I'm like, oh, please don't. It, you know, it's it's gonna be Warframe. It's a picture Warframe with the timers of crafting things. It's a, it's gonna be a free to play game. So. Um, if, if you like Transformers, check it out. If you, if you don't like Warframe, you probably won't like it, but it's not just Warframe. It's, it's like Warframe, though. Got it. Got it. Well, those of you that have been gifted a membership, I hope I see you tonight. Friday night streams are a really good time. We spend the first hour or so talking, hanging out with my wife, with Madam, and then I'll be putting, I'll be having a, I'll have a funny outfit on and I'll play some Beat Saber. You still have time this month to even not just hit 3,500, but 4,000. And then I have to dress up as Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> and Mike really wants to see that. So does my wife. Everybody wants to see that because I hate Jar Jar. Um, but the thing we're about to do is for VIPs only. Now, if you bump up to Member Plus, we are going to let you once a month come to a VIP stream if you're at Member Plus. And we're just trying to incentivize those people that get that gifted member. Pick up your own membership. Make more room in the pool for people to get the gifted membership if you can afford a $6 a month membership. It's a cup of coffee. If you cannot afford a membership, keep coming, keep watching, keep hitting like. You'll 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 get those gifteds pretty regularly. And do me a favor, get us 300 likes on this video before we end it. It's it's we're coming to a close here on the show, and this is a great great turnout. And I can't grab the browser. I don't know what's going on with my mouse. Yeah, we need 23 more likes. So make sure and smash that as we get out of here. I'll spam a link in chat as well if you want to come with us. And my producer will be joining us. This is Unfiltered. It's about the week. It's about the industry. It's about everything that's going on. So, and I hope to see you guys tonight for the stream with my wife. That's for all members. So get in the members only Discord so you don't miss that stuff. Thanks so much for being a VIP. It's time for the weekly unfiltered stream where we just talk about all the nonsense that's been going on, frustrations as a content creator. Creature makes fun of me and talks about how I'm all sorts of things. It's very, very <laughs> fun. He also calls the audience a-holes and he means it. It's not a, it's not a love. It's free of charge. <laughs> it's yeah, free, free of charge. charge. So if you are a VIP, thanks so much for upgrading. If you're watching the tail end of the podcast that Mike and I just did called the Reforge Recap, that was really fun and really enjoyable. I kind of just threw together a thumbnail this morning. I'm sure Creature probably hated it, but I thought it looked nice. So I'm going to end that stream and bring everybody over who's a VIP.